sixth Sunday of Easter. Prayer. Psalm chapter 66. Acclaim God, all the earth. Sing psalms to the glory of his name. Glorify him with your praises. Say to God how awesome you are. Your achievements are the measure of your power. Your enemies woo your favor. All the earth bows down before you. Sing psalms to you. Sing psalms to your name. Come and see the mothers of God. His awesome deeds for the children of Adam. He changed the sea into dry land. They crossed the river on foot. So let us rejoice in him who rules forever by his power. His eyes keep watch on the nations to forestall rebellion against him. Come and listen, all who fear God, while I tell what he has done for me. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his own faithful love from me. Reading the Word First reading, Acts chapter 8. Philip went to a Samaritan town and proclaimed the Christ to them. The people unanimously welcomed the message Philip preached because they had heard of the miracles he worked and because they saw them for themselves. For unclean spirits came shrieking out of many who were possessed and several paralytics and cripples were cured. As a result, there was great rejoicing in that town. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, and they went down there and prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not come down on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Second reading, First Peter chapter 3 Simply proclaim the Lord Christ holy in your hearts, and always have your answer ready for people who ask you the reason for the hope that you have. But give it with courtesy and respect and with a clear conscience so that those who slander your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their accusations. And if it is the will of God that you should suffer, it is better to suffer for doing right than for doing wrong. Christ himself died once and for all for sins. The upright for the sake of the guilty, to lead us to God. In the body he was put to death. In the spirit he was raised to life. Gospel, John chapter 14 If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I shall ask the Father, and he will give you another paraclete to be with you forever the Spirit of Truth, whom the world can never accept, since it neither sees nor knows him. But you know him, because he is with you. He is in you. I shall not leave you orphans. 
I shall come to you. In a short time, the world will no longer see me, but you will see that I live, and you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever holds to my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I shall love him and reveal myself to him. Hearing the word, spiritual resurrection. Thus far in the Easter season, the readings focused on centrality of Jesus' resurrection for the faith and its importance for giving life meaning and direction. Today's liturgy turns our attention to the effects of the resurrection on the human heart. Because of its attention to the Holy Spirit, this Sunday also prepares us for the concluding celebration of this season, Pentecost. The first reading from the book of Acts is sometimes called the Samaritan Pentecost and presents the first significant step in church expansion beyond Jerusalem into non-Jewish lands. Another interesting and significant feature of this text is the gap between baptism and the reception of the Spirit that follows only later. Such separation is unusual as baptism was normally accompanied by immediate descent of the Spirit or even preceded by it. There is only one other case of such separation in the story of the church at Ephesus. Samaritans believed in Christ responding to Philip's proclamation, healings, and exorcisms. This proved to them that his message was accompanied by the divine power. They were baptized, but it was only after Peter and John came down from Jerusalem and laid their hands upon them that they received the Holy Spirit, becoming the full members of the Christian community. Why did the author of Acts present coming to the full membership of the Christian community as a two-step process? One of the possible explanations is that he wanted to emphasize that the formal act of baptism must be accompanied by the internal transformation effected by the reception of the Spirit. The Samaritans formally accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they only with the power of the Spirit would they be able to outwardly demonstrate the effects of their conversion. Belief in the resurrection cannot be reduced to a mere intellectual acknowledgement that Jesus is risen, while life goes on as if nothing changed. The effects of belief in the risen Lord are not limited to convincing a person to join the Christian community. The resurrection affects the human spirit on the deepest level and makes it ready to receive and channel the divine power to demonstrate it outwardly. The internal effects of the resurrection are even better presented in the second reading. The passage begins with the exhortation to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ as holy in your hearts. These words imply 
the need of a deep internal conviction that the reason Jesus is indeed God, since only God is holy, and the necessity of making him the center of one's life. Following this statement, the author discusses two manifestations of such a conviction. The first is an ability to present and explain reasons for Christian hope, clearly hope for resurrection of the body and eternal life. Christians must be able to provide a sound and convincing explanation for the beliefs that they hold. This ability can only be developed by a Christian who has seriously reflected on his or her faith and grounded it firmly in the scripture and experience. Such defense of faith must be done in a respectful and gentle manner and not in the spirit of contention and hostility. Second, the sanctification of Christ in one's heart is outwardly visible through ethical conduct, particularly when somebody is confronted with insults and slander. Early Christians frequently experienced adversity and opposition. The author admonishes them to behave impeccably so that they would not be accused of any wrongdoing. If the first persecution, their suffering should be that of innocence, confronting harassment in such a manner they would imitate Christ himself who suffered innocently. In doing so, Jesus died in the body, but remained very much alive in the spirit, being alive in one's heart, according to this passage, consists of a sound and profound understanding of the faith a Christian professes and a clear conscience resulting from righteous living. In our modern language, spiritual resurrection is about keeping the mind alive by growing in understanding of the foundation of the faith and keeping the conscience pure by living according to Christ's teaching. Study of the scripture seems indispensable to accomplish those goals. Perhaps the most outstanding feature of the extraordinary rich gospel passage is its presentation of the intimate link that exists between God, Jesus, the Spirit, and the disciples. These persons are bound together by love. In this part of the gospel, Jesus continues to speak about his departure. He assures the troubled disciples about his return. They will not be left orphans. But what form will this return take? He certainly hints at his coming at the end of times, the parousia. But he speaks mainly about his return and eternal presence through the Spirit who will be sent by the Father in response to Jesus' request. The Spirit binds Jesus and the disciples in such a way that they will be able to contemplate the face of God through this union. The disciples need to respond to this presence 
with love manifested in keeping Jesus' commandments. However, in the Gospel of John, Jesus gave only a single commandment. This is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. The love of Jesus flowing within the disciples has to be expressed through acts of love towards others. Jesus' love is a demanding love which can never be reduced to a sentimental feeling or abstract admiration. He demonstrated his love by going to the cross and his subsequent resurrection proved that such love is capable of defeating death. Living out this kind of love, the disciples are assured of their own resurrection because self-giving love amounts to the spiritual resurrection already in this life. Today's liturgy focuses on the impact that Jesus' resurrection has or should have on believers' hearts and lives. The prerequisite to the bodily resurrection at the end of times is the spiritual resurrection in this life. This present resurrection is the rise from the tomb of internal apathy and indifference. This perhaps was what the author of Acts had in mind when presenting the Samaritans' two-step process of coming to Christianity. The author of First Peter emphasized that adherence to the risen Christ involves continuing intellectual and moral renewal that will be obvious to the outsiders. John the Evangelist identifying love as the force that binds disciples with God shows that it is manifested through obeying Jesus' command to love one another. Such love makes a person internally alive, risen from the tomb of self-centeredness and selfishness. A Christian who lives out Jesus' resurrection in this manner becomes a living illustration of the presence of God's life-giving spirit. Looking at such a person, others might say with the psalmist, Come and see the marvels of God. His awesome deeds for the children of Adam. Listening to the Word of God One way to understand the impact of Christianity on any community is to ask non-Christians to describe Christians. Some answers which people regularly give in reference to Christians include the following. Christians go to church on Sundays. They don't go to parties or take drugs or have fun. Some Christians think they are better than everyone else, but they are hypocritical and judgmental. Christians believe in Jesus Christ, celebrate Easter and Christmas, and fight amongst themselves, as they have so many different beliefs. Generally, there seems to be more negative references to Christians than positive. It is also important to ask Christians to describe who they are, to explain and defend their beliefs. Many Christians explain their faith through do's and don'ts and measure their status according to certain laws. For example, attending weekly mass, giving to the poor, 
reciting the rosary, staying sexually pure, etc. It is no wonder that non-Christians describe us according to these do's and don'ts. Too often, after catechism classes are finished, young adults limit their faith practice to following rules and certain practices, believing them sufficient. As youth, we face many pressures and challenges which do not leave us much space or time to engage in any meaningful practice of our faith. As a result, when questioned about our faith or observed by the outsiders, our Christianity looks shallow and insincere. Many, after active participation in the life of their parish and youth groups, gradually drift away from the church. After a time, feeling spiritual emptiness, they even join other churches and sects which lure them with promises of benefits and with vibrant community life. All of this results from the lack of growth in faith. Jesus came to restore the relationship between humanity and God. A relationship may start with do's and don'ts, as is the case between parents and children. But that is not the goal. Parents look forward to a time when they can enjoy adult relationships with their children. Relationships that are not based on rules, but mutual love. Similarly, in our Christian story, we are taught the rules and principles as the foundation of our faith, so that as we grow in faith, we can develop a relationship with God, where we are driven by love, not rules. It is this relationship of love that transforms us into loving persons who are able to share this relationship with others as part of the witnesses of our faith. The world is tired of do's and don'ts, and many hunger for a relationship of love that is mutual and transforming. It has St. Augustine who said, Love and do anything that you like, because he understood that love is the motivation and basis of an ethical life that pleases God. We can offer the example of such life and love when we experience a periodic spiritual resurrection. From time to time, we have to feel the power of the risen Lord in us to rekindle our passion and zeal. Being a member of a group makes this easier because the faith and zeal of others and sharing faith with them gives us the inspiration needed to feel spiritually alive again. What you help a child to love can be more important than what you help him to learn. Action Self-examination Reflect on your definition of a Christian. Is it about rules and regulations or about love and a change of heart? What motivates you to follow Christ and seek an ethical life? Is it fear of breaking rules or love for Christ? Response to God Reflect on your relationship with God. Is it rule-based or love-based? Ask for the grace to take the first step to a loving relationship with God 
as the basis of your Christian life. Response to your world One of the reasons why some reject Christianity is because they perceive it as a religion of rules and not a relationship of love. Discuss the rules that you follow in your group and examine whether they are helpful in making the group live a more Christian life. Prayer One thing I ask of Yahweh, one thing I seek, to dwell in Yahweh's house all the days of my life, to enjoy the sweetness of Yahweh, to seek out His temple, for He hides me away under His roof on the day of evil. He folds me in the recesses of his tent, sets me high on a rock. Now my head is held high above the enemies who surround me. In his tent, I will offer sacrifices of acclaim. I will sing. I will make music for Yahweh. 